the reality is if you're uh, like starting off as um, maybe a, like a coach, a business coach, you don't really need a full-blown, you know, bells and whistles website, somebody that can make a point, you know, we can make appointments, you know, you can get in touch, like that it's got everything that you need. But if you go to, like you can overcapitalize in that at an early stage of your business when really um, it would be sufficient to get some automations happening, get those emails coming through, book an appointment. Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpose, Homework Galore and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture. And yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. On today's podcast, I have the lovely Fiona Smallwood who owns The People's Digital and she's based in Western Australia with her husband, her dog and her daughter. (laughs) It should be daughter than dog. But anyway, she lives near the beach, which if you listen to this podcast before or followed me on social media, I am not one that likes the beach, but I put that past her and I decided to put our differences aside and have her on the podcast. I met Fiona last year. She joined uh, the October intake I think it was of my Google Ads course profitable promotion. And we touch a bit about that on uh, this chat or in this chat because we both love taking courses and Fiona is constantly upskilling in different areas of digital marketing, which is her specialty. And her goal is to make digital marketing really accessible to people um, and she does that through a number of different service offerings including her digital win woman which is kind of like an ad hoc package for those that need just a win woman to help them out with all things digital and I love talking to Fiona we got really sidetracked during this chat and actually talked a lot about health and the impacts of having an autoimmune disease and running a business as Fiona has Crohn's disease and how that can also you know impact the different areas of your life and Fiona is also kind of in that next stage of life where her daughter is out of home now and she mentions that she really loves working with women that are in kind of my age bracket at that 30 to 35 where they've got young kids and help them navigate the process of having a business, starting a business and what that kind of can look like as your children get older. So I love this conversation and I think you will too. Let's dive in. Hello, Fiona. I'm so excited that you're here. Can you please tell people who you are and what you do? Thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity. I am with the People's Digital, so it's just me. I don't have any plans on getting bigger. I do digital marketing, so I call myself Digital Wing Woman. So I kind of take people from being at a place where they don't know where to you know, how to embrace the digital world so they can get online and then um, walk them through up to a point where they want to be advertising. So that's it in a nutshell. People say, what do I do? And I'm wing woman. <laughs> I love the, I've never heard anyone refer to themselves as a digital wing woman before. And I was having a, I was having a poke around your um, website and that's actually like a package that you offer, like a digital wing woman package where I thought it was such a clever service offering that you can kind of, it's kind of like having support in your back pocket it's like a VA, but with a digital focus and you can kind of use your skills and skill set on a retainer basis where it's more like an ad hoc 
not sure what they need, but you can kind yeah. of help them through that process, which I think is just phenomenal because, you know, as a lot of people can appreciate, the world of digital can be really scary and overwhelming and there's a lot of moving parts. Like yep. there's web design and SEO and paid ads and, yeah, you know, all this sort of stuff. So how did you, like what sort of, um, I guess, made you go down the path of creating the People's Digital was there one service offering or one product that you initially started off with and then expanded or how did you kind of get started? Yeah. So uh, it was probably about six years ago that I, um, it's a really not very exciting story, but I was looking at websites and I've always kind of loved digital stuff. Like I was fascinated with Apple and that sort of thing. So um, very like passionate in that regard about some, you know, creative stuff. And I was looking at websites and I was like, how on earth do people make things happen like on a screen? It just mm. fascinated me. And then I was like, I now want to build a website. So um, I did. And there was two ladies um, that had a course and they like had a little group. Um, they were called Web Designer Beauty School. And <laughs> there was a group of, um, of women who, and we just, yeah, learned from those two ladies. And so it started from there. But as, you know, you start with a website, you start, realizing that people think that they want a website but actually what they want to do is make sales like if you cut to the chase that's what they want to do and so throughout that process just I guess year by year I layered on different things to I guess now my my focus is probably more on yeah how do you get that sale you know how do we convert that sort of thing so that's that's how it all started and uh, I like I had a different business name before um I was called only online but that's it was my first iteration of my business and the website looked like Onion Line, which was not very um, appealing <laughs> URL. Uh, so, yeah, the People's Digital just came about as a better representation of me because I wanted to be, I guess, in line with that digital wing woman. It yeah. just goes hand in hand with being accessible to people because it's very expensive on time and money to try and pull all those resources together, which I guess I'd like to bridge that gap. Yeah, definitely, and I love the idea that the name represents kind of being like the every woman, you know, you can, it's accessible to everyone and it's not, I think that that that's the thing I love about, you know, the small boutique type businesses like yours is that, and my, my, you know, mine's the same sort of thing. Like I don't have any grand plans to build out an agency model and be this big agency in the city. And, you know, that to me comes with working with big corporate clients. And I like working with the smaller businesses that uh, you can really have an impact and make a difference and educate as well. And I think yeah. that's probably where I can, like what really appeals about people's digital is that, you know, you're not trying to make things confusing and overwhelming. It's like, no. let me take that out of your life. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that a lot of, I guess, especially the niche that I'm going with or the the people that I tend to relate with more, you know, women um, around my age, they tend to be actually probably a bit younger than I am. So around the 30, 35 mark, but that's probably because I've sort of, you know, not that long ago, I walked that path. So I mm. understand what it's like at that time of life. Um, and there's just this, I don't know, I feel like that it's really nice for women in that that age group to be able to help other women. There's just such a, so many ways that they can benefit from A, from mums being able to be business owners and mums at the same time and yes. allowing that to happen. Like I'm completely um, all for that. And um, and also that connection. So, you know, there's just that ability to really sink into where they're at and feel that. But, um, you know, I guess, yeah, divide it so that they can carry on doing what they're great at and 
take them to the next level. And there's so much, you know, just because something is a small boutique business like a lot of the businesses I work with, they still help so many people. Mm. It's such an amazing, you know, an amazing service that people offer. So, yeah, I definitely want to stay in that place. I always come back to enough, like am I getting enough from my business? That's kind of my keyword, and that's all I want to ever do, you know, is have enough. To, what do you mean by enough? Do you mean enough from a yeah. financial perspective or enough from like a satisfaction? Both, both. Yeah. Very it's like much if so. you're enjoying it. Yeah. So I very much like I'm not, I don't want to be um, charging low prices so that I can't offer a good service. So, mm. um, you Chandler know, I'm, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't want to confuse, you know, what I'm saying with being accessible to being cheap because that's that isn't the right thing that's you know I want to be able to offer a good solid service but do I have enough and I think that's where that uh, lead comes from you know with that agency like you know I've worked with some people or someone's asked me you know if I want to do some work you know are you planning on scouting into an agency model and that sort of thing and um, you know although that's for some people yeah definitely um, not for me and that's where the enough comes in do I have enough um, financial income do I have enough that's you know I can stick with my values, you know, all of that sort of thing. So it sort of comes in. And if they get out of balance, if one or the other gets out of balance, it becomes very obvious that, you know, that enough isn't being valued. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think back to what you were saying about, you know, you, you don't want to confuse accessibility with dirt cheap. Is that also reflects on, I think if you're charging, if you're valuing what you're worth as a service provider as well, that reflects in the work that you're doing. So if you're valuing your own, I often say that the people that you work with, the better clients will often be the ones that don't question when you charge. Maybe you're maybe more, not on the high expensive side of things, but you charge what you're worth and people really respect that as well. I tend to find you attract a really lovely caliber of clients that have the same mindset. Um, Whereas if you tend to only demonstrate your value on, you know, I'm super super cheap then you attract clients yeah. that want a super cheap service and exactly. it kind of doesn't go with the, the maybe service that you want to deliver yeah yeah absolutely um I think it just also speaks to your self-worth as well and so if your self-worth is in sort of saying well you know no I'm worth this amount of money and you genuinely feel that way because you're doing you know the right things to make sure that you can offer the right service and and reflecting on the business that you do then that carries over into your other values as well and so I just believe that it yeah when I mean, obviously, it comes out as a better service, I think, for people who are, and there are people that need to, like, you know, maybe you need to start at dirt cheap, and that's okay, like, that's completely okay. But maybe when you get to the next stage of your business, like, then you can move on, and it's sort of like layering those extra um, added benefits on that, you know, like, I don't know, like, if you buy the base model car, some people have to buy the base model car, but then it's... Yeah, it's nice to have the second model car, and that's, you know, maybe it's not the luxury model, but the middle model does maybe offer some act, real benefits, you know, like extra security or that sort of thing that aren't just, you know, bells and whistles. So, um, yeah, I think that it it reflects across the board. And I think what you were saying about working with women in that age bracket between, you know, 30 to 35, they usually have young kids at home and, and there is this real, mm-hmm. I've noticed it as well, that there's this real groundswell of women creating their own businesses around that time when they're either becoming a first-time or a second-time mum. They're maybe having, I've really found that when going from one kid to two kids, that that jump of, okay, well, how does this look from a logistical perspective about what does that look like and having two kids at home and 
And I mean, one kid is challenging enough just from trying to figure out what does a working parent look like, especially when you start moving to school-aged hours. And there is this real like groundswell of female-led businesses that that don't want necessarily to be a stay-at-home mum, but they don't also yeah. want to go back to their corporate job that demanded too much from them and yeah. unsustainable at the, the life they, they want to lead. And so there is this really nice camaraderie between those type of businesses. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I think also what's, you know, I I really love carrying that voice for women in the age group of, you know, that 30 to 35. But also, like I said before, I'm just ahead of that and I really feel strongly about carrying a voice for women in my age group. So, like, I'm in the age group where, you know, it's all sort of very talked about, you know, like um, that navigating um, work and children. Mm. Um and I'm working with a client who she started her business who um, like six years ago because we're celebrating it tomorrow night. Um, so she started it six years ago because she wanted to be a stay-at-home mum and to be able to provide enough income, just enough income for the second income. So the business is huge now. It's been huge for ages and now both her children are in school. So she's navigated that, um, you know, that baby path and now she's moving on to that next phase. But I know that there's the next phase after that. And I'm in that phase. And so we talk about children and babies and that sort of thing, but I'm in this like perimenopausal phase, which mm. is it's a whole nother big thing to navigate. And the women that are doing this work now, like, you know, around your age and having babies and that sort of thing, I have no doubt that everyone's going to be around in, you know, in their business in 15 years. And I kind of want to be not scary, but to say that it doesn't necessarily get easier. So navigate it now, navigate it while you've got the babies and that, because you're not going to grow out of baby phase. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. There's always something from now on. So what do you mean by that? Because I think, because I'm in the thick of it right now. I uh, I have a six-year-old, I have a two-year-old, I'm pregnant with my third. Yeah. And I've really just navigated the going to school, like my, my firstborn just went to school this year. And I think this is real misunderstanding that when your kid goes to school that that's when you kind of get your life back and I mean maybe if you've got all your kids at school but for me I'm like no because that's when you know the after school activities start that's when the weekends become all about your kids and that's when your friendship group might have to just be solely around the other school mums because it's really hard to maintain relationships with friends that are in different phases of the the baby phase and they don't have kids at the same age and that's really difficult so you're navigating that but also school days are bloody short. Like it's my kid goes nine till three, which means I work eight, nine 30 till two 30. And, you know, the logistical impact of that is really challenging. And then, so when someone says to me, like you're saying that doesn't, you don't grow out of that. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about in situations like this, we just talk about us and the kids, but if we were to sort of zoom in on that, the kids are your little humans, right? So they, they're a whole world unto themselves and each of them has a personality and that sort of thing. So your little one that's gone to school, for example, um, in, I don't know, year one or pre-primary, um, whatever. Yeah, called in, prep. At this point. Yeah, yeah, prep. So, so as, you know, they, is that, is she a girl? Yes, yeah. So yes, as she grows up and moves on, you know, so grade four, for example, well, I'm in WA, so anyway, around the nine, ten-year-old age mark, then, you mean, they start getting the hormonal changes. Yeah. So, so this manifests in life at home because, you know, it's, I need mum's attention and mum's trying to work stuff out and that sort of thing. And so, and then your next little one is like probably in prep and then baby number three is doing something else. So 
And that's not just because you've got three children, because I have one child, mm. and so she's 21 now. But that was a whole different ball game for different reasons um, because she was my only one. So I wanted to be tools down or I wanted to be, you know, present when she was at home. And also she didn't have other kids to play with at home. So there's those different, like, I think it's much easier to look after in some some respects. It's much easier to have two kids than it is to have one kid because two kids play with each other as well. They fight and whatever, but they also entertain each other significantly. Right. Yeah, so there's it, there's pros and cons for both, mm. you know. Um, I know I remember at that age people would say to me, oh, but, you know, like I've got three to bath and three to make lunch for, yeah, but I've still got to make one lunch and there's yeah. still only one bath to run, right? You know, <laughs> like, and I've still got to sit in there while she's in the bathroom when she was at that age. But what I mean is that they, they keep going through life changes and the older that they get, the more they become aware and the more that you're required mentally to be there for them mm. for these, you know, discussions, that sort of thing. Yeah, then they get to high school and then there's like year nine is like a tough dramas. year for a lot of children and then there's, you know, the ATAR and career sort of thing. And while they may not be, like certainly in our house, there was no pressure about high school or whatever. But, you know, like I said, she's a human. My daughter is a human and so she had her own things that needed navigating and it wasn't about what we had imposed, it was about what she had imposed. And that really required, you know, I remember our, needing to take two weeks off um, at one stage just to be present with her um, and running your own business, that's sort of like that's quite hard to do. So um, and then when, you know, she's grown up now and off to uni and that sort of thing and then it's like, oh, okay, it's back to me and then my hormones start to change, you know. Yes. So um, it, there's just always something that requires your extra attention and um, I think that it's just so important to um just to honour that and to, and you know, like while you point that it's like it's no. all sorted out. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the going to school thing is a myth. Oh, that, totally. You know, yeah, totally. Like you said, what's nine till three? That's nothing. Because nothing. you don't get out of the schoolyard in two seconds anyway. And then you no. go do some probably shopping or some, there's something else. Or if you've got other little ones, you're still looking after them or whatever. So they go to school and, yeah, it just doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't change. But if you put systems in place now and honour the fact that you are working and you're taking your business seriously and that sort of thing, then you can certainly make that easier by having, you know, additional help to, you know, not just to see yourself as like a second income person, but, you know, yes. like I'm really serious about this and I'm, I, you know, I will get the bookkeeper and, you know, um, a VA or whatever else that I need. So how long have you been a business owner? Have you been a business owner this whole time that your daughter, if, that you've been a parent? Yeah, no, I did work. Even um, so, we just moved back from Melbourne at the beginning of last year before Corona, and we were there for two years. Um, and so during that time, I just had one client, so that I've worked with for a long time, um, and I worked full time at Monash. So I was sort of doing two and a half jobs at that stage, but I haven't had um, my husband and I have always been you know, had our own business in some form, mm-hmm. you know, for the whole time that she's been born. So um, he has his own business, which I worked in for a long time as well. So um, and doing the same sort of things that I was am doing now, but just in the capacity of like for our, um, our own business. So, yeah, but it's only probably for myself, only in the last uh, couple of years that I've sort of started to, yeah, take my business seriously where I, and, in doing that, it grows. So, you know, where I thought, oh, I can't really spend money on this or that or, well, you know, being in your mastermind, for example, or mm. getting, a, you know, a bookkeeper or the extra help, like that all allows me to grow. 
um, yes, in the business. And so, yeah, there's been a mindset change for me, which is why I'm really passionate about advocating this for people that are yet to go through it. And you also, um, I didn't know, but you also have Crohn's disease, which is something my dad has. And oh, wow, yeah, and it's so Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease. And yeah. can you? Um, I don't think I think there's a lot of there's not a lot of understanding around autoimmune diseases and how they impact yeah. Yeah. Um, the body. They're kind of like a hidden disease, and it can rob you a lot mm. of your, I don't know, your independence and your functionality, yeah. and and it can knock you on your off your feet, and you don't kind of have a clear reason why. Yeah. Um, what's it like also navigating being a business owner when you do have a chronic yeah. disease? Yeah. So the the whole time I'll say that the whole time that I've had my daughter it's impacted my life and but probably less so in about the last 10 years because I finally got a drug but I was diagnosed when I was 18 so from 18 through to um about just before I was 40 it it really did affect my life so everything was impacted because like you said it's the invisible disease but you're also taking stuff like steroids prednisone Mm. um you probably understand this which um, as well as making you really moody um, and, you know, affecting just, you know, the way that you are, your personality, you know, they make you look different, you know, you get moon face and, um, you know, acne and that sort of thing. And then there's the fact that it's Crohn's disease and so it does affect your gastrointestinal tract mm. and that, you know, makes you have awkward bowel habits, which is really, you know, no one wants to talk about that. I'm even embarrassed sort of saying it to you now, but it's really hard so um it yeah it's I would say that that's probably at the very core of me wanting to have a strong voice about anything because I feel like you know at the end of the day the gift probably of having Crohn's has been suffering a lot of depression um and a lot of like lonely times and being able to navigate that I feel like now I'm living time that I missed out on when I was like for those um 20 years Wow. Because, yeah, it was, it was horrible. It was really, really horrible. And there's also a lot of trial and error before you get finally understand like what works your body and what makes yeah. you feel better. And yeah, that, that's so frustrating from like a oh. emotional perspective because you're like, yeah. what is wrong with me and what mm. is going to make it better? And is anything mm. going to make it better or am I going to feel like this forever? Yeah, yeah. And just that internal sense of frustration when you're trying to navigate yeah parenthood and definitely yeah and and being you know we're tired when we're parent anyway and being too tired to parent so the Crohn's robbed me of my fertility so due to complications with my Crohn's like I wasn't able to conceive um naturally so there was that you know there's all these things that as women like they um stack up for you as internally failure like oh Mm. you don't have fertility failure oh you don't you know like you're putting on weight or your face looks like a moon (laughs) failure Mm. you know like um all of these things sort of like stack up over time and yeah it's it's like a constant battle but as well as that you're really tired so you know you don't want to necessarily you know go out and socialize or if you do go out and socialize it's like this closest bathroom or I don't really want to eat just in case you know um yeah so it's like I know Crohn's is actually really quite common and every time you know, I speak to someone, someone says, um, oh, God, I know someone that's got it, but no one really knows. No one understands it. Um, yeah, exactly what it is. And 
um, you know, with it, it it brings so many other um, little illnesses as well. So, you know, like I have Crohn's with ulcerative colitis, but then that yes. affects my liver, which, you know, it also affected um, my skin and it affected like I would get rashes. Like, so it's not just Crohn's, but it presents itself in every well, way. Autoimmune yeah. diseases usually come in yeah. like clusters like they you do, normally have yeah. like a and I um I don't think you can really ever understand what it's like to have an autoimmune I don't have an autoimmune disease but I don't think you can ever understand what it's like until you've like unless mm. you've had one like I've got people mm. close to me my dad has Crohn's my best yeah. friend has rheumatoid arthritis and even just yeah. little things everyday things that I wouldn't understand like when my best friend was pregnant she was like I'm really worried that I won't be able to undo the clasps on my baby's onesie and it's something I would never have thought about before yeah. because I don't have that physical manifestation of something. Mm. And the only, like, the only taste of that that I've sort of ever had was when I was pregnant with my second daughter and I had a lot of um, pelvic issues to the point where I was, like, housebound. I couldn't, I couldn't really walk oh. and I couldn't really um, do anything. And that, from a mental perspective, got me down so much. I was so down. I couldn't. I felt like a terrible parent because I couldn't play, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything. And I was like, this is just a temporary, as soon as I gave birth, it, it was fixed because she was just in a really awkward position. But then that was solved. It was temporary. It was maybe four months of, of complete agony, of pain. And I said to my best friend, I was like, I, I haven't appreciated what you might have been going through because I haven't understood really like what chronic pain is like and like yeah. what chronic, um how that can affect you from a, like yeah. really from an emotional perspective. So I don't think you can really fully appreciate it until. Yeah. What about with your dad? Did you, do you recall seeing it affect him? Or? Um, not as much. I think because he didn't get diagnosed until I was out of the house. Oh, so I don't okay. get to see a lot of the physical manifestation of that with dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because I guess he's also older and he's of that generation that doesn't really talk about it. Like he's mm. turned 70 mm. last year and he kind of just, he's like, you know, just gets mm. on with it kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. even though he's in probably in pain a lot, he doesn't, um, it's almost like he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. but and, and that's understandable, I guess, for all of those reasons you just said. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we've got so, so off the topic of I yes. loved talking about that with you because I think that when we look at people that are business owners that um, there's often a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes as well, whether it's health-related things or family-related things, and um, that just adds to the, complexities of running a business but also to the beauty of having a business that you can design around those issues yes. so like if yeah. you're having a flare-up then you know that mm. okay I don't have to report to my boss and say yeah I've got to take time off that you get to yeah. make that sort of yes. those decisions yourself which might much be like must be a relief to have that kind of control over your own yeah. schedule yep. definitely it retains a little bit of your um your dignity not to have to tell people, you know, uh, why you're off work or something like that. So, and I know that with work, you can just ring in and say, I'm sick, you don't need to give a reason. Yes. But generally people say, you know, what was wrong, um, yes. especially if you've been away for a, a couple of weeks. But also um, that obligation, that feeling of yeah. obligation of like I'm yeah. letting the team down, the wider yeah. team or even yeah. even I've noticed a difference last time I was pregnant with um, my second, I was at an agency and the feeling of like I'm literally too tired to work right now. Like, oh, I can't. Mm. I'm so sick right now. I can't work. Was magnified by the feeling that not that anyone else was putting that pressure on me, but that feeling of mm. I'm letting the team down. I couldn't get to that team meeting or you know whatever it was. Whereas this time I'm like I can just make up the time when I've got the time. Like yes. this is my business and I can do. 
I'm tired. I need to nap. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got more of that, the obligation you don't feel as much. Definitely. I take a little nanny nap every afternoon. (laughs) I go, hi, Mama, I do. That's so amazing. (laughs) And I do it without guilt because, you know, I work into the evening. So, um, and about three o'clock, I'm like, I just know I function. If I go, and I put my timer on, like I go, you know, instead of sitting at my desk and, you know, nodding off or trying to battle through it and, and not doing my best work. I just like go and lay on my bed. Like it, it's probably like a mini meditation because yeah. the sun comes in the window and I get all excited and off I go for my little nanny nap and it's just glorious. I love it. Yeah. And I and, and that's, that's one of the benefits of getting older. <laughs> yes. And I think um I think it's really interesting to see, to hear you say that like you, you we all I think us in the early parenthood phase, we all have this idea that Oh, at high school there'll be barely anything that will need to. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. It does get better. It, I mean, high school probably is sometimes where you know you're like, but it's still nine to three. Do you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. Like it's still nine to, and you don't have to get up and look after anybody. But I don't know about you, but I didn't. You know, like when my daughter came home, I didn't want to be like just at my computer. I would stop no. and have a, a chat for half an hour and be like, hey, you know, how's your day? How's stuff going? That sort of thing. So, um, not that I did it perfectly by any means you know I wanted to but no one does parenting perfectly I don't think we try no. but <laughs> yeah I think we do it perfectly for our in our situ- own situations yeah yeah what yeah. about um so you offer like we we're talking about before you offer a mm. number of different services you've got mm. um you know you do hashtag sets custom hashtag sets you're going to do a few more of the there's a few more little one-off kind of products mm. that you're going mm. to develop how did you upskill yourself in those areas like website design yeah. and um and all those different areas like what have you mentioned investing in yourself what yeah. have you been able to yeah invest in that that's allowed yeah. you to expand your product set your yeah. product set so well where where I'm heading like so um the the website and um hashtag sets that sort of thing are really uh, I guess kind of a segue to um where I see myself heading as a business, which is advertising Facebook and, and um, Google ads because just the analytical side of it is I, I just enjoy it <laughs> so much. Like I really love it. Um, so that's where I'm investing a lot of money at the moment too, especially with the Facebook changes but with the iOS 14 mm. and that sort of stuff. Um, so that's going to be um, my core product in, and just doing sprint tests and that sort of thing. Um, but how did I upskill? So I've always um, like paid for the good courses, I guess I'm going to say. So um, like, you know, you can jump on to, I guess, like Skillshare or something like that and learn a little bit of stuff that you need to. But um, I've always, like I've never had a period that I haven't been investing in um, a solid course. So, you know, originally like I did uh, the Yoast SEO course, which, you know, was I, I got a good understanding of like, the entire SEO because of that. Then I did Kate Toons and Profitable Promotion, which has just been, I'm not saying this because I'm on this podcast, but seriously, <laughs> best course. Like so seriously. <laughs> no, but really it's very solid. And that's the kind of that's what I'm looking for in a course. So that I, you know, something that I'll keep going back to over and over to, you know, if I am if I have clients, I want to know that what I'm doing is right. So yeah. I need to have that solid foundation of my learning to go that I completely understand this. And, for example, we I'll use profitable promotion because that's, I guess, my really 
current, you know, what I'm I'm working a lot in at the moment. But to be able, like the way that I learn, it it's good because there's like different layers of the course. So, you know, I can go through and, um, you know, watch a video, but then I go back to the printouts and the cheat sheets. It's like any way that I want to come at it to find what I need, it's available. So, um, you know, so I have it in Evernote now and I can just, you know, like do a, a search on, you know, like I've done the course once and I'll go through and rewatch videos and that sort of thing. And I was just able to fit it in with my learning. So, um, yeah, I knew that I would go through. And the first time I went through, I was a bit bamboozled because I was like, oh, I needed to watch the whole lot. But then I needed to go through and actually do it. And I was like, oh, okay, yes. then it sunk into place really quickly. But I felt like once I got it, I got it thoroughly very quickly. But it took me a little, you know, a bit to get there. But then I was like, oh, okay, I just needed to go through it. So from the investment of courses, I think that it's just so important to um, make sure that it's, not somebody just speaking by rote going, oh, okay, well, I'm good. Because everyone's making courses now, right? Like yeah. it's just a dime a dozen. And I need to know that, it, like, for example, what you're telling us, you know, in the course, there's always a why with it. And why I would do that is da-da-da. And that's how you learn from the why, not the mm. what. Um, yeah, so I've uh, just always, like, made sure that there's been really good reviews and that sort of thing about the courses that I've done. And some that I've done, you know, um, that have had good reviews and that I haven't gelled with and that's, you know, other people really gel with them and that's okay. So what do you look for in, um, like, if other people are thinking about, mm. you know, they want to get, they want to invest in, because I'm the same, like, I yeah. I love doing online courses for, for, yeah, for two same. reasons. One is I really like to, even if I don't plan on making direct revenue of it, for example, mm. like offering mm. it as a service, mm. I love upskilling myself so that I can have enough knowledge about something that I can either implement it into how can I incorporate this in Google ads or how can I incorporate this in my business or how can I, if if a client comes to me with a particular question, I know enough to be able to answer it. And also I just love upskilling on different areas. So I'll go through periods where I'm, I'll do a copywriting course. And then now Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm loving doing, um, I love doing automation, like business automation sort of courses. And, Mm. and there's always different areas that I love to, to upskill. And the other reason I like to do courses is because, um, it makes me a better course provider because I see, oh, that that was that was dodgy. I didn't really like that aspect of the course, but this I loved and how can I incorporate that that my students might love, for example. So there's two yeah. sort of reasons. And the, But like you said, everyone's got a course. Like there's a lot yeah. of people with courses. So how what do you look for when it's yep. time or how do you choose what you want to invest next into? So, for example, I, if I've done a course and I listened to your podcast and you mentioned the mastermind that you went to I always forget his name oh, um, Rick Mulready yes yeah and so okay well I enjoyed Katie's course and I really like the foundations of where she was coming from so now I'm going to go and check him out because yeah. that's someone like so now I have some authority in the recommendation that you're giving so I went and checked his stuff out there's been a couple and I've only learned this through experience but there's a couple of people out there and I know a lot of people like and so I'm going to say Amy Porterfield, and that's not to disrespect people that do like her, but I would always say that, that the um, this is my analogy, right? It's a, the, you know, if you go to the supermarket and you've got like the ugly fruit is organic, but it's the stuff that's good, right? It doesn't have to be the pretty fruit that has yes, the best course. I love okay? that. So that's, 
you know, that so is So you invested analogy. in me because I'm ugly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I think that's a great analogy because I am the same way. I, I've, I've got, um, I am doing some mentoring with other course people that are getting courses up and running. And I'm like, don't get hung up on having the best script or having the best. I'm like, I don't script yeah. and I don't have the best design. And I don't have, but mm. the content's the best there is. Mm. And I know mm. that. And so if the product is good, no matter mm. what, like it, it can't, like it doesn't have to look like a bag of poo, but like yeah. the foundations are there and it yeah. works, yeah. that will speak more than yeah. a pretty packaged up, perfectly designed, Definitely. perfectly scripted. And it sounds yeah. cookie cutter. It sounds boring and bland and, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's unique. Just for me it's like, um, like it's the bells and whistles. I guess, you know, <laughs> so when I say like the ugly, I mean it's like you don't come in on a slider and be like, woo, you yeah. Google ads, da, 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 and like, like flashing lights around you. It's kind of matter of fact. This yeah. is what we're going to do. This the purpose of the course is profitable promotion. You know, Google Ads can probably be used on other science. You know, you could use it for awareness marketing or whatever. But the purpose of this is, you know, it's a profit driven course, and this is you know what we're measuring. Um, I'm not guessing anything. I'm like, boom, we know it. I'm on yeah. it. Let's do this. You know, um, I don't have like I don't have time in my day to sit and hear someone's 10 minute intro i'm not interested no like, I'm, I'm the same i'm like pass the chase tell me what i need to know yep <laughs> yeah and then i'm on 1.5 or 1.75 going right got it got it got it you know um and that's when the additional upskilling comes in like you were talking about so i might do um so like traditionally i or originally i would have done like an seo product whereas like now that's just sort of a layer to help me understand yes. like when I'm building your website what could be the issue here that sort of thing or personal development like um speed reading because I want to learn faster because I want more in my head because I need to be able to get that out of my business so yeah no I was gonna say you can learn skills that you don't necessarily want to offer but that will yeah. still help you as a business owner and as a service provider yeah. deliver the existing products you have. Like a, if you're a digital wing woman, it helps to have as many of these skills as possible and yeah. you might specialise in two to three of them, but you are yeah. able to be that go-to person for your clients that they know that they can trust your recommendation and you can yeah. at least steer them in the right direction that will give them yeah. enough to go forward with. Yeah, that's the point. You know, if you're coming at that digital wing woman stage, it's it's almost like a broker for services. Like, yes, we can get your website. Yes, you know, we can get all of those things happening and functioning really well. I also think that with, um, you know, websites, if you're to pay, you know, like if you were to pay somebody to, you know, specialise in a website for you and you're a startup business and you might be getting like a, you know, like a full bottle website that has way more than you need. And the reality is if you're uh, like starting off as um, maybe a, like a coach, a business coach, you don't really need a full-blown, you know, bells and whistles website, somebody that can make a point, you know, we can make appointments, you know, you can get in touch, like that it's got everything that you need. But if you go to, like you can overcapitalize in that at an early stage of your business when really um, it would be sufficient to get some automations happening, get those emails coming through, book an appointment, um, and then, you know, like, yeah, then let's look at swing and look at your social strategy, which, again, it doesn't need to be a full-on social strategy. Maybe it's just about, you know, continuity and getting some messaging right and that sort of thing. And, you know, 
moving through that pathway in sort of, you know, like maybe a shrunk down model so that you can. Yeah. And like, I love the idea of attacking one bit at a time and not being overwhelmed and, and not, um, you don't have to have a perfect pristine business from day one or on year five, you can attack little bits and pieces along the way. And like, Mm. I love that kind of step-by-step approach of let's focus on this for this quarter or this half year yeah. and then let's focus on this and then they'll work together really well and then we'll build on it with x y and z and yeah and not trying to do too many things at once because a that requires a big investment and b it's super overwhelming and you'll end up mm-hmm. just getting rid of everything and not doing anything yeah exactly embrace the newness of it you know like embrace where you're at on the journey and when you're at the beginning part of the journey there's so like it's the busiest part and there's so much going on um and and it'll be messy it'll be messy yeah it will be messy and you know sink into that it's okay like allow mistakes to happen some clients will probably you know you'll probably lose some clients that's okay um I was listening to a podcast yesterday of a guy that has a he does have an agency model and but their niche is like solar panels of all things and they turned over 30 million in the agency in the last year and um he was talking about his early days saying that they lost heaps of clients you know and he wasn't happy about that but the reality was that's where he was at that stage of the journey and as he moved through the journey different things became apparent different needs became apparent you know um and even he was talking about some of his automations now at this $30 million model saying like he uses, um, it was kind of like a bit of a Band-Aid automation, like it was Zapier and something else. And I was thinking, wow, you know, like that's where he's at now. And he's like probably one day we will refine that. But at this point, this is where it's at, you know. Mm, I love that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I feel like we've been chatting away effortlessly and then suddenly we've come to the end. But I really like that message of, because I'm the same, like my business is not even two years old now. I look back at it, what it was two years ago. And I think, holy crap, like it was nothing what it looks like now. And I think that's really important for people like to hear that it'll look different in six months time and you'll refine and nothing needs to be perfect now. And just try and get one foot in front of the other, because that's where you build the momentum and you find out what you like and what you don't like and what you're good at. And yeah. And I think that's a really, um, really important like message for people to hear. Yeah. But where can people connect with you if they do want to hear more about or learn more about the People's Digital or working with you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, on Instagram at the People's Digital website is thepeoplesdigital.com.au <laughs> and Facebook is the People's Digital. <laughs> how um how how unique across the three? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's just been great to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks, Katie. I hope you enjoyed that uh, chat. Fiona was really open and I, I love talking to her. So make sure you do connect with her on her social media or check out thepeoplesdigital.com.au. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Katie Griffin underscore. You can learn about more about what I do and the sort of stuff I help businesses with. And if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and I will catch you on the episode next week.